Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I am here, as always, with George Mays. But today, George Mays is with us in a different way. Isn't that right, George? That's right. I'm not actually with you. That's right. Um, Coming to us over the phone. So I have the podcasting equipment at my house set up a little little studio here, and uh, I'm able to call you through our recording box, our little mixer, through Bluetooth, and you're fed right into it. So we might as well get this uh, out of the way. The Jones family is on quarantine. We are locked down, my friend, for 14 days. Yep. So my son, Drake, has tested positive for covid he did yesterday. Yesterday we took him in. We got test tested. So, how he, many uh, times has this? How many times has this poor kid been tested for COVID? Well, every time something would happen with him, I would take him to get tested. Uh, yeah, because of the potential he has to like ruin the entire football season <laughs> for his team. You know, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's, uh, I was uh, I was thinking about that yesterday. I was saying this yeah. poor kid. He yeah. keeps getting tested. Yeah, well, I mean they're, they're I mean, doing they're doing it pretty smart at, at, at cash. The kids are not around; they're never around each other, um, uh, like during any of the drills or practices for more than fifteen minutes. So they can never like they can never cross that threshold. But the one place they are around each other is on the bus. Yeah. So last Friday night, um, it appears that he was had came into contact. You know, that's closer than six feet for more than fifteen minutes. And he was sitting by somebody, and I didn't know that until Tuesday, because yeah. um, I don't think anyone knew that till Tuesday. But what I did notice was Sunday night he started sneezing, and he yeah. and he never sneezes ever, even if he has like an allergy attack, he'll cough. Mm-hmm. Okay, but he never sneezes, and he had like a sneezing fit. I was like, that's really weird. And then uh, of course Tuesday. Um, he said at practice, he's like, man, I, I, I don't know what was going on, but I could, I felt like I couldn't breathe. And then the coach, mm-hmm. the coach told him, say, Hey, we just found out, you know, you may have been around somebody. And, yeah. and then it was only a matter of, you know, a couple hours after the football practice Tuesday, he started running a fever. So I, t- I got him in, I went to get him tested. And when I pulled up, I, I was there before they opened, there were like 30 people standing in line outside wow. and they were like you know there's their social distance spaced out so they're like wrapped around the building so we went to a different place found a different place that does the testing had him tested for everything flu covid all that so i'm sitting in the car with him for like three hours you know trying to keep my head out like out my window <laughs> <laughs> while they come out and test him and and then the doctor came out and said hey he's positive and uh, you just need to consider that you're positive too you there's yeah. more, more likely you are and anyone else in your family the doctor said it's 96 percent transmission rate within a family household that's wild yeah so um i, I feel a little off you know, we're going to go get tested. The rest of the family will go get tested on Friday. Um, but, you know, no matter what, we still have to quarantine for 14 days. So we're stuck in our house for 14 days, man. Right. So that's not not great. So yeah, we got the, uh, you dropped the podcasting stuff off in the driveway. And then I yep. we made an exchange. It was, it was like a prisoner exchange. That's right. You dropped it off, backed up, and I went and got it. Yep. <laughs> so here we are. So, so now we get to do the podcast, and I get to do one of my favorite things: be on, the, on phone. the phone. Be on the phone. This um, is you know you know how I feel about talking on the phone. Yeah, and now you get to do it for so now. I get to do it for two weeks. Two yeah, weeks. So. Yeah. Well, that's the news with us. I mean, right. you know, it, there's a spike going on. I just tell people. Right. I think you know we're we're uh, we locked. We kind of had a lockdown. It, way back when everybody else had a lockdown. And I think maybe what they should have done is not had that at all until right now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because, like, it's booming here. Like, in yeah. our area right now, it's just booming. Right. Um, and so now nobody wants to to do anything serious about it. Um, That's right. 
And in reality, you know, it'll probably pass from our family and we'll be fine because we're a pretty healthy family. I'm sure Drake will be over it in 48 hours. He'll probably be like bouncing off the walls in here for the next eight days that he's got to be locked down. But, you know, for a lot of people like like my parents, um, I don't know if they're listening. They listen. I don't know if they'll listen to this one, but... Uh, considering that's how it's spiking, I think people that are older need to start being very careful until this blows over Yeah, <clears throat> the spike. So, yep, here we are locked in the house for, right. well, for, at least you're, at least you're out in the, at least you're out in the country. You can go hey, outside and yeah, that's not right. be around anybody. Yeah, You got three, three people that are pretty active. Don't love to be locked down. Uh, my daughter will be living her best life. <laughs> she could be locked down forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That's just that's yeah, just. Her. I can I could uh, I can understand that. I that <laughs> it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a bother to me at all. <laughs> just give me just give me some books and uh, yeah, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. But my kids, on the other hand, they they need to go outside and run around. Yeah, I went outside after this. Like like Angie's starting to feel sick, right? Like I, okay. I wouldn't be surprised if we test positive on Friday. I go, I go outside yeah. before the podcast. She's out there picking weeds. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, uh, yeah, just might as well she's be down doing on her hands and knees yeah. with the little scissors. She's out there pulling them out. Got gloves on, pulling out weeds. What, what, what do you, you need to like conserve your energy? You may have yeah. to. You know, you may be <laughs> sick. Like, yeah. Okay. All right. Does she have her big sun hat on? Her big sun hat? Nope. She's just out there okay. taking in the vitamin right. D. Before okay. before All this right. two weeks is over, we're going to have the cleanest house in America. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> All right. So, All right. Well, we got we've got some stuff to talk about today on this free for all Friday, and I think it's we um, do. I think it's some it will be some interesting things. You know, moving yep. right off of the COVID, it's a perfect segue. Right. We'll talk about mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Joe Biden has appointed a coronavirus task force. But we yeah. could, we could, you know, we could jump into talking about whether he's a legitimate president or not, and all that. But we'll yeah. let that play out. But well, he has <laughs> he has appointed a task force for Corona, right? And um, one of them is Ezekiel Emanuel. You know who that is? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't until uh, this week. Yeah. So he was uh, one of the main people involved in the uh, Obamacare legislation. Yeah. Uh, his brother's Rom, right, who was, was he the chief of staff, president's chief of staff for a while? And then mayor of Chicago? Same same person, right? I think so. Rom. It's Rom and Zeke. Zeke Emanuel. So Zeke Emanuel, he's an oncologist and a bioethicist. Right. Um, pretty well known, and he's works for the uh, Centers of American Progress, I, I believe. Does that sound right? Yeah, Center for American Progress. It's a it's kind of a progressive uh, think tank. So, um, I'll just kind of set this up here. So, I posted uh, a, a little tweet on Facebook. It's about uh, Ezekiel Manuel, something that he said, and. I think it'd be good to have this little dialogue about it too, how you interact with people who may disagree with you on things. Uh, one of my friends saw it and took issue with it, thought it was a little bit maybe deceitful. I definitely didn't post it intending to be deceitful. Um, so I posted, I got to scroll back in here. Okay. So I post, y'all thought the Trump administration was immoral. This is the type of utilitarianism that has made people in assisted living centers prisoners. Things are about to get much worse. So the tweet is, this guy is on Joe Biden's COVID task force. The headline is, a doctor and medical ethicist argues that life after 75 is not worth living. So, you know, I had this little dialogue with my friend. Um, it was good, respectful. He's very smart, one of the smartest people that I know, actually. He just happens to be um, more left-leaning than I am. But we've been friends for a long time, and we have good conversations. And what I appreciate about him is he doesn't hop on here and try to have this conversation here in the comments. Like, hey, what are you doing? This is possibly uh, misleading. He hits me in the DMs. <clears throat> so what I found out is I'm referencing an article that uh, came out last year in uh, 
MIT Techno- Technology Review, where they interview him. Mm-hmm. He's referencing an article written in 2014 by Ezekiel Emanuel. They're about the right. same same things. And so he had only read the 2014 one, which is really all about his personal preference. Mm-hmm. And right. I'm all on board with what people want to do personally. My issue was, as we'll get into this, in the uh, MIT review where they, uh, where they interview him, this very strong utilitarian, utilitarian ethic comes out. So, and so we, we hashed that out, and he said, you know, I can, I can see how you got that out of there. And I said, well, you know, it wasn't my intention to be misleading, so I can see how you think that I was referencing the 2014 one. It was, because pretty much what he says in 2014 is he doesn't want to pass, pass 75. He's not taking any medical assistance. Right. Yeah, the I mean the, the the title of the article is why I hope to die at seventy five. Right. So let's jump into that. So maybe let's George, let's start with understanding the worldview behind what he's writing. So when right. I say utilitarian ethic, what does that mean? I mean this this comes out um, even in the two thousand fourteen article. I was I was reading through this. Uh, this morning and um utilitarian is what is um you know what's going to be best for the most people right um and so his his argument is it's he's got several different angles that he comes at this um but one of them is that uh when you reach a certain age then you become um more of a consumer than a producer. Right. Yeah. And this is, and you know, like you said, the 2014 article, it's, it's, it's more towards his own personal beliefs and his own position after he reaches right. 75, he's going to stop. He's going to stop, um, you know, taking the flu shot. He's going to stop, uh, going to preventative, um, you know, doctor's appointments, things like that. Yeah. He said he won't even take antibiotics. Right. Right. Um, but he he talks about the fact that he uh, he believes that after seventy five you're no longer as creative as you were in your early uh, early ages. You don't. There's even a graph in this article with um, the your the most the best contributions, the most product, uh, productivity is when you're late thirties, early forties. Yes. Um, and then once you hit about sixty your contribution just starts to drastically go down. Yeah. And, um, and also on top of that, you become, you can become a financial or emotional burden to, um, your family. So he says that, you know, um, if, if a parent lives to be in their nineties, then their, their children are taking care of them them, even into their own retirement. And so there's Mm -hmm. this burden that that goes along with it. So, so he says in this utilitarianism is, you know, um, it would be better for the family and for society and for you as an individual, if you died (laughs) when you were, you know, 75, right around 75. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's an ethical theory and it not only just drives choices like this, but and when people are in policy making decisions, people that hold to this type of ethical theory, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't just stay personal. That's what I, right. I think. What I'm trying to what I was trying to get out when I when right. I you know, I, I when I was reading the article, his 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 2014 article, there's a lot of things that I could agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, personally, if you are you you should have a per- so he says that after 65 he's not going to have any more colonoscopies, mm. right? Because uh, preventative, he's, he's not going to be worried so much about preventing cancer when he gets to a certain age, because he's not trying to extend his life. He talks about his, his father who was a doctor and he had a heart attack. Um, and after, after all the, the bypass, um, he's not, he's not quite his self anymore. He's, yeah more sluggish. He, he's not able to, he doesn't, he doesn't do rounds or any, anything anymore. And he, he says he doesn't want to be like that. He, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to live life that way. Um, you know, if, no one should be forced to 
do preventative medicine if I don't want to. Right. Yeah. We, and we but, agree with that. But his, his ideas of, you know, they're no longer contributing to society. Yeah. They're, they're not, they're not doing anything <laughs> like that's That's where we have to, we have to, we have to come up against that with the biblical worldview, especially like you said, this guy is the head of this task force. He's not in a policy making position. And as we've seen time and time again, these people that have these personal ideas, these personal positions, they don't stay personal very long when you, when you are put in a position yeah. of power and, and policy making. This has got to bleed into the policy making. Yeah. So uh, in the two in the interview from the uh, recent article, 2019, he, he gets into that. And, and the catchphrase is, the question is whether our consumption is worth our contribution, right? right. So that should come out. You should be able to, to latch on to that. Are you contributing enough to society to make your life worth it, <laughs> right? And his whole, his whole argument is no. He'll go on in the right. article to say that most people um, after the age of seven, like 65, I think he he, he said, um, are they still active? Yes, but most of their life is now play. Yeah. Right. They're right. not they're not contributing anything to society. They're riding motorcycles. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're playing golf. They're, you know, running around doing whatever. And so he says, in a sense, what he's saying is uh, that's. That's not a life worth living, <laughs> right? <laughs> Try to say it right. as nicely as I can. Like right. you're uh, when you reach that age, and yeah, you're, he, he says that's not that's not a meaningful life. That's what he says. It's yeah. yeah, it's not a meaningful life. It's all about you contributing to society, whether creatively or uh, you know artistically or medically, you know scientifically, uh, right. educationally. And once once that stops, um, your life really is over. Right. <laughs> and so what we want to do is like where does this type of uh ethic come from this this utilitarian ethic in his worldview and i think it's rather obvious um because ezekiel emmanuel is an atheist mm-hmm. right and and what i find to be even more interesting about his atheism is just the fact that on its face it is completely contradictory yeah. because if atheism is true um, then nothing you do in life actually matters. <laughs> right. You don't have a meaningful life yeah. at all. So nothing that you do... So let's just make it clear, right? If atheism is true, there's no God, there's no afterlife, there's nothing. You just live and you die. As um, uh, as I've heard put uh, very, very uh, colorfully, you, know, you live, you die, then the worms eat you, and hopefully it happens in that order. That was said by... <laughs> right. uh, what is this famous atheist name? I can't think of his name now. Um, anyway, uh, so all you're doing is subjectively applying a meaning to, I think, w- to prevent what atheism does, and that leads to total despair and nihilism, right? Mm-hmm. So he's a smart man, but he's not apparently— maybe he's smart enough to follow, the, connect the logical dots. I hope he is, um, but probably what he's done is he's seen where the logical dots, dots connect, and he's created a, a roadblock to prevent himself from falling into total despair, depression, and nihilism, which is where only right. place it can end. Um, yeah. Because if you're an atheist, you live and you die. Everyone else behind you lives and dies. Eventually— the earth dies, eventually the universe dies, and there's nothing. Right. And so nothing you did even matters. Your life does not matter at all. Whether interesting. You, whether, yeah, it's, it's interesting that you, uh, you you found that he was an atheist, because he says that he's afraid of dying. Yeah. He says, I do fear death. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if, if there's nothing there, then there's not really anything to fear. Right. And... Uh, and and so I think what he's done is he's set up, in his worldview, you have this this massive contradiction. He's living as if life actually is worth living. And right. so he's gone the opposite extreme um, into productivity, into mm-hmm. this strong util- utilitarianism. Like I said, this stuff has implications because it doesn't just stay private. Your worldview can yeah. never stay private, right? right. It's, it's like when the uh, Supreme Court justices are grilling 
these uh like uh amy coney barrett remember that they're grilling her and and they think oh like is your religion going to come into play and in how you rule <laughs> right and you right. would be an absolute fool to think that it won't right yeah. anyone who has like a christian or a shaped worldview well in, in her case it would be a catholic shaped worldview um, right you you'd be a fool to think that won't come into play in how she rules yeah, and and you know it it'd be the the exact same on the reverse if you had an atheist who was being nominated for Supreme Court, um, and they were asked if their atheism would bleed over. Of course it will. Like there is the the it, the it's a myth of neutrality. Yeah, like right. no one is neutral. Everyone has a worldview, and that worldview is going to define who they are and how they live. Yeah, and so here you can't, we you can't escape it. Yeah, so now he's, you know, if Biden is sworn in and this man is in charge of the coronavirus uh, task force, I mean, things are going to look different. They're going right. to be different. Um, this utilitarianism is going to be driving a lot of decisions. So, okay, let's now let, let, let's, <laughs> let's ask the question. Um, how should we view this? Because a lot of things that he says about personal choice are good. That's up to you to make. But is life worth living after 75, or are we better off dead? Now, I'm going to say that <laughs> we probably have the same belief in that in the, yeah. uh, we take a biblical perspective and that we say that all life is worth living uh, all the way up to the point of death. Right. Whether you're 99 years old or, you know, whether you're five years old. Um, right. Your life matters and your life is worth living. And the old people, uh, old people that live in our society, rather than what he believes, all they do is play. They don't contribute anything to society other than like sentimentality, right? He kind of hits on that. They're your family right. members. Of course, you know, they're special to <laughs> you. Um, they contribute to society, I think, in important ways. So, what does God say about the elderly? Like, what, how should we view them? Right. I think the first place we go, we just start with the Ten Commandments, and then we'll go from there. Exodus twenty twelve, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. George, do we ever stop honoring our father and our mother? Uh, no, no, we don't. Um, we always show them the respect and the honor that's due to them being our parents. What about if they get really old and they don't contribute anything anymore and I have to change their diapers? Oh, well, then you don't have to honor them anymore, Oh, Jay. okay. <laughs> I can just throw them away like garbage? That's right. As soon as, as, soon as, they, as, soon as they become an inconvenience, because uh, you were never an inconvenience to them, Jay. Right. Yeah. So that, <laughs> yeah, we, we um, you know, if you've ever been a parent, you know, what it's like to raise children, you, you know, the, the time and energy that's put into it and the care and the love. Um, and we as children ought to repay that, that kindness yeah. with honor. Mm -hmm. Like they, they, they raised us, they reared us, they, they provided for us and protected us and, and they deserve our honor and our respect. Yeah. You know, and, and part of honoring your father and mother, it could be that when they're older, they do make a personal de decision and they say, you know what, I'm, I don't want to take any more medical care. Yeah. And you ought to honor that. You ought not right. to go, no, 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 you know, you're going to take this because this is what's right for you. So, but that's up to them. <laughs> but we don't treat right. we don't treat them either way like their life is not worth living. Right. Um, we, we just simply honor them. Here's one of the beauties, George. Uh, again, I'm getting another phone call. You hear it coming in? You hear the beep? Is it picking up? No, I don't hear it. Oh wow! Well, that's good. It's coming in on my end. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and cancel that. Whoever you are, it's probably the health department. That's one thing I didn't tell the. You have to have a, a conversation with the health department when one of your fa right. family members test positive. But it was it was all good. Um, it was a local person. I appreciate you know local people because they kind of right. they're in this thing with you. Yeah. Uh, so honor your father and, and your mother. Okay. What, what else do we have? Like, well, I, th I think that you can go to Proverbs and you, there's several verses here that talk about the glory of, of old age. It's yeah. not, it's not, um, it's not to be viewed as, uh, you are a parasite <laughs> on society. 
That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Proverbs sixteen thirty one: Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's a reward for living a righteous life, and it it should be viewed um, as something that's glorious. It's yeah. something to be a, a, a attained, right? Yeah. Um, or uh, or Proverbs twenty verse twenty nine: The glory of young men is their strength. Oh, so the glory of young men is their strength, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. So the, they're, they're that utilitarian, well, you're not producing anything, you you physically, mentally are not, um, are not producing the same as you were when you were young. The Bible says that that is the glory of young men. But the splendor of old men is simply that they've obtained this old life. That's right. Like, their gray hair, just, yeah. just the fact that they're old is their splendor, is their glory. So we shouldn't expect that older people are going to um, live and act or uh, even produce um, the same as young men. And the Bible says that that's okay. Yeah, that's right. That is absolutely okay. Um, we've got Leviticus 19.32. You shall stand up before the gray head. That mean, Like you stand up. Right, and, and when someone comes in, it's like in the army, when an officer or a high-ranking enlisted uh, personnel, when they walk in, uh, everybody stands up in honor. No matter, no matter what you're doing, you stop what you're doing, you stand up. That's mm-hmm. what this verse is getting at. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, mm-hmm. and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord, or I am mm-hmm. Yahweh. So that the two yeah. are linked here in this. Um, that I would say those that don't have this type of that they don't they don't show honor to the elderly, they don't fear, right. they don't fear God. Yeah, it's a theological statement, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, this is a very different worldview that we have. The Christ, right. we're Christians, we have a peculiar worldview. Uh, we we honor the elderly. They don't maybe they don't have much to offer in a productive sense as as being uh, measured by Ezekiel Emanuel. But they do have a lot to offer to society, I think. You know, um, just the fact to be around uh, grandchildren. I, I would say, right. you know, even if your grandparents are over 75 years old, even in their 80s or 90s, uh, for, for grandchildren to be around the elderly is a great benefit to society, probably in various unmeasurable ways. Mm-hmm. And it's just out of God's wisdom that He knows this, and He knows it's it's critical to society. We can't be a society that views people in that fashion because it's not it's not a big jump, George, to saying to looking at old people and saying they don't offer much to society, right? Yeah. To looking at children and saying the same thing, right? Because they don't, <laughs> right? right? They, uh, they, yeah, they don't. that's right. Yeah, I, uh, I I came across this uh, this verse in Psalm seventy one, and um, I, I thought it was really um, applicable to what we're talking about. It's uh, it's it, well, it's not um, it's not a, attributed to David, but um, it seems in in where it is in the Psalms that it probably is David. Um, but the psalmist says, "Do not." Ca-, this is. Uh, Psalm 71, verse 9, do not cast me off in the time of old age, forsake me not when my strength is spent. Mm. Um, so here's the psalmist, he's, he's crying out to God, God, don't cast me off when I'm old, yeah. don't forsake me when I'm no longer strong. And uh, if, you've, if you've read First Kings, you know how David, um, you know, you know what David's condition was when he was... Um, an old man, mm-hmm. like he, he couldn't even, he couldn't even keep warm. Like he was a feeble old man. He, he was, it seems like he was maybe confined to his bed yeah. when he was, when he was old and yet God didn't forsake him mm-hmm. and his children didn't forsake him. And we shouldn't, if, if this is the cry of the psalmist that God not forsake us when we're old, then shouldn't, Shouldn't we, as a society, and, and children in particular, not cast off our our parents or the, yeah. the elderly in our society? Sure, yeah, yeah. And uh, if you know people that are older can begin to 
adopt uh like i'm a worthless type of mentality right like i'm older mm-hmm. i can't do the things that i used to do like people right. don't need me like they used to need me in these ways and i think yeah. you know it, it's always a matter of the heart our productivity yeah. and our work and who we were you know when we were 20 to 60 um that can become an idol as well yeah and right. so when those days are over you know what's the point of my life uh, well, the Christians should be able to move beyond that because no matter what the Christian's doing, they're living all life to the glory of God. So yeah. if God transitions you in your old age to doing something else, that's uh, maybe a difficult adjustment to make, but in the end we make that adjustment, and we should help older people to make that adjustment as well. Right. And to make yep. them feel that they do contribute and they're valuable to us um, yeah. in all of life. So let's move well, on like to... Yeah, like you said, um, a good segue. You know, we are we live in a society where old older people are not valued. We talked about this um, last week, talking about just uh, just Biden and how he's being used in his old age. And, yeah, that's um, what the irony not, of this, right? He, yeah, right? this is the like view. This is like the view. He's he's older than seventy five, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so, guess, so he he has this uh, this leader, this task force. <laughs> Yeah, right. Who hope, hopes that he doesn't life, live as long as Biden? <laughs> life, li- yeah, life's not worth living after seventy-five. You have right. you have the most important man, literally in the world, older than yeah. that, doing the, right. doing the most important job. <laughs> what? Yeah. So you have to wonder what he's even thinking about about Biden as as president at this age. Like the things that he right. says go down. Um, cognitive function, creativity, the, the you know just productivity and their contribution to society all goes down after this age. And here's a president that's older than that. And yeah. you just have to wonder what he's, what he's thinking about um, the president. <laughs> right. Yeah. <That's> bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like you said, um, you know, the culture, the culture doesn't respect and honor old people, but we also have a culture that doesn't respect the unborn. That's right. It goes together because what do the unborn have in common with the old? They're, um, they're, they're not viewed as being productive, right? No. I was going to say, contri- I was going to say diapers. Diapers. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no diapers for an unborn. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought you, <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't listening. I thought you said the young. I gotcha. Yes. But you know, the, the same, the same idea is, is that they don't, they don't contribute anything to society, right? They are, they are nothing but consumers. Yeah. An unborn, Um, an unborn child (laughs) is literally a consumer. That's all they're going to do. And and their consumption doesn't stop when they're born. (laughs) That's that's right. I mean, surprise, we all were consumers. That's right. (laughs) Baby comes out, you put food in, the food comes out. You keep doing that. Baby grows, literally does nothing but scream and cry. And then eventually you live for that first smile. Yeah. (laughs) You know, what's, you know, what's funny, Jay, is that all of these, um, um, uh, protesters and rioters that are wanting like this socialist society, they're nothing but consumers also. Oh, George, you just dropped a hammer. What should we, what should we do with them? (laughs) Georgio. Do I have a button in here that I can play for that bomb you just dropped? (laughs) What do I got? No, not with them. There we go. Oh, you got the you got the rim shot. Nothing but consumers. <laughs> I can barely hear that over the phone. Really? All right. So moving on to the views of the unborn, um, there's been um, there's been this idea that has been going around, and um, I'm gonna. It's uh, the idea is that the number of abortions go down when a Democrat is president. Um, I don't know where this originated, but I know that Phil Vischer, um, who created VeggieTales and had his video a couple of months ago on uh, uh, just showing how woke he is, uh, his injustice video, he, uh, he posted a video recently called What About Abortion? And he's arguing that under Democratic presidents, their uh, the number of abortions goes down. What do you think about that, Jay? Hang on a second. I got a dog that burst in. What is going? 
Sorry. What's going on? I had a dog burst into the door, George. Okay. Gotcha. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> this is this this has uh, this idea has bled over into Big Eva, and yeah, so yeah. Uh, Thabiti, um, he he said that it's a fact that abortions have actually <clears throat> gone down under Democratic presidents. Jonathan Merritt, who we've talked about before, he tweeted um, on. Uh, the eighth, he said, fun fact for pro-lifers, abortion rates drop most sharply under Democratic presidents. Congrats on your win. Yeah. Um, um, so again, just- I, again, I, I don't take my advice um, from people like Jonathan Merritt. Right. right. He's yeah. corrupted and debased in mind. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So um, the this idea, number one, is you can make, you can find, uh, the graph is misleading, like there's a graph in that yeah. article, right? It's, so there's, it's, a, there's it's, a graph. It's unf- okay. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna post this um, I'm gonna post this article on the um, I'll post it in the comments of this podcast okay. on our Facebook page. Yeah. It's it's from Gabe Hughes, and he is a, a pastor down in Texas, and he uh, he wrote this article. Um, it's no. Democrat presidents do not reduce abortions. No, so I'll post this in the comments, but he argues against this idea that is circulating that um, abortions go down under Democrat presidents. Well, well, pe- and there is, there is this graph. There's this yeah. graph that is showing that under, um, under Reagan and Bush, um, abortions went down by 4%, but under Clinton and Obama, it was closer to 30%. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is where this idea is springing. And this, um, this graph, it actually comes from a, um, it actually comes from a center that, um, is funded by, guess who? Planned uh, Parenthood. George Soros. Planned <laughs> <laughs> um, Parenthood. Um, yeah. so it, you have to immediately question this because, why would groups that make a, a, an astounding profit off of yeah. abortions? Why would they ever tell you the truth? They're they're they they're a business. The they're not a healthcare right. provider. They're a business, and they exist yeah. to make so you money. Have to, you have to immediately. Yeah. You have to immediately question mm-hmm. this uh, this information. I question everything coming from people with a debased worldview. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your godless. Yeah. Your, your worldview is godless. Your sexuality, so me, your sexuality is godless. You you destroy babies in the womb. Right. Uh, don't call me strange when I question if you'll lie or not. Right, that's right, right, <laughs> right. You mean that the you mean that uh, the party that is pro-abortion and pro all kinds of sexual immorality might also be okay with voter fraud, Jay? They might lie. They, they just might, might be okay with telling lies. They might lies. lie and cheat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let me walk through this article. I, I won't go into all the details, but let me just walk through some of the the, the arguments against this idea that, that abortions go down under a Democratic president. Okay. So the first one that, that Pastor Gabe um, puts out there is that correlation does not equal causation. Yes, this is a this is an important thing for people to grasp, and that's because we'll try to put this into plain terms. Correlation is not equal causation, right? I like the little illustration he gave from margarine, like mm-hmm. margarine and divorces in New Hampshire or something. So there's a, yeah, the, there's this. yeah, there's a <laughs> yeah. So you can uh, you can you'll see this in the in the article, but uh, Ali Beth Ducky she she posted a comparison between the de- decrease in the divorce rate in Maine with a decrease in the consumption of margarine nationwide. <laughs> right. Um, right. So the question is, does do those two go together? Margarine. So margarine eating causes divorces. Right. Because the two happened in the same time period. Right. right. The, the, there's a whole variety of other factors involved that could yeah. be legitimate causes, but because there's this correlation, that doesn't mean that it's one is causing the other. You know right. what I mean? Right. So, um, yeah. So just because there's, there's one thing going on at the same time doesn't mean that, there, that there's a causation between those two. Right. There are, there are other reasons why the abortion rate could go down under a Democratic president, um, if that's even the case. If that's even the case, yeah. If that's even the case, right? 
Yeah. So, um, um, but but we should just like say what on the most common sense approach to this. If if Republican presidents and Republican legislators got everything that they wanted, would abortion go up or down? <laughs> right. Well, that's, a, that's what, second, what would happen that's to second it? point. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it goes through the roof. I mean, here's the second point. The abortion rate is highest in more liberal states. Yes. Without a doubt. Like the 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 top abortion rate state um, in the 2016 election went to Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And the ones where the abortion rate is the lowest all went for Trump. That's right. Like the, the, here's a correlation. <laughs> the, the most liberal states have the highest abortion rights. Yeah, and just it just look uh, in particular what they want, right? What does each party want? And if that each party got their way, like imagine this, you know, it's an imaginary world, but imagine they get everything they want. Okay? Yeah. What happens to abortion if they have yeah, I mean, it, if they control I mean, not, if they control Congress, if they have the presidency, they can pass any legislation they want and they do it. What would happen to abortion if Democrats got everything they wanted? It would it would skyrocket because they want to take all the restrictions away. Right. They want abortion for any reason up to and in some, in many cases after birth. Right. That's not a conspiracy. You can find people in their own in their own words um, saying that they you know after like Virginia, the governor of Virginia, correct. <laughs> like baby's born, right. uh, survives abortion. What do we do? And he's right. like, "Well, uh, that's something to talk about." Like, what? Right, a lot of conversation about yeah. what to do. What? Right. Um, that's wicked. Yeah. <laughs> that's incredibly wicked. Yeah. And, um, and it, so, if Republicans would actually um, man up, if they had the presidency and the House and the Senate, they had that earlier in Trump's presidency. Right. It, mm-hmm. They didn't do anything with it. But if they right. did, if they actually acted on what they say they want to do, what would happen to abortion? Should go down. It should go down, and potentially it should be ended. Should, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it should. They should it, write, it should. It should stop, right? <laughs> they could enact legislation, um, and it would be over. Because, surprise, right. uh, Ro- Roe v. Wade is not law. And even Democrats ah, know this. But what does Biden want to do? Biden wants to, codify it, right? wants to codify it and make it law. And this is yep. what is so my, this this is what's so frustrating. Right? You have these uh these big Eva guys, these famous influential pastors um and they're like are you are you not listening to what he's saying? Like he yeah. he's saying he wants to make this the law of the land of all of America. Right. It's not right now. He wants to make it law the law of the land and he wants taxpayers to fund it. Mm-hmm. It's like they're not listening to what he's saying, right? Yeah. Uh, well, that little sidebar. It's uh, you. You've got these people that are now now that um, Biden has been declared the winner by the media. I mean, it's still contested, right? Right. But but they're 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 kind of parroting what what the media is saying. I mean, I, I was watching a podcast uh, just this morning, and. Uh, it was uh, A.D. Robles, and he was saying that the, that big Eva, like the Gospel Coalition, mm-hmm. um, Nine Marks, um, these they're they're just they're just parroting what they see on CNN. You're right. <laughs> like they're just they're just a propaganda wing. Yeah, it's like and the- they were they were making excuses for why evangelicals could vote for Biden, and now they're acting like we didn't know what his. We're against his policies. Like yeah. we'll be fighting against. Him. I saw. I saw Danny Aiken um, post something. I, I saying that he he opposes um, Biden's views on transgender. Okay, and like he would yeah. fight against it. Okay, but you guys are the same guys who were making excuses why we shouldn't vote for Trump, and and, it, po- and why we possibly kind of, could vote for yeah, you could for possibly Biden. vote for Biden, and now you're acting like you're going to fight against Biden's policies. Like, yeah. I don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe you. So listen to this. This was, this was a tweet by Ray Ortland. Um, you, you know who Ray Ortland is? Jay? Yeah. yeah. He's uh, he's one of those big, big Eva guys. Um, he's written commentaries. He's a, a well-known, well-known pastor. Uh-huh. He tweeted this on November 7th. He said, president elect Biden, you won fair and square. Congratulations. 
well, there he's parroting what he's hearing from the media, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's no voter fraud. Don't look, don't look behind the curtains, right? Uh, around half of our nation voted the other way. Remember that. If you will restrain the extremists in your party and represent the wide consensus of America, you will succeed magnificently. God bless you. Right. And you got these, you got these guys who are acting like Biden's not one of these extremists. Yeah. Like if you will restrain the extremists in your party, Biden is one of the extremists. Yeah. Like every, like every position that the extremists on the left hold, Biden holds the same things. Yeah. Like he's not going to restrain them. He, he, he is, he is pushing those actively mm-hmm. on abortion and on transgender and homosexuality and socialism. And he's, he's pushing all of this. He yeah. is one of the extremes in the, mm-hmm. in the party and yeah. they're acting like he's not. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Naomi Wolf, she's a, she was a, um, a political advisor for, for Al Gore and, and Bill Clinton. She's a, a liberal um, author. She tweeted this <laughs> on the ninth and I love it. It's so funny to see someone who's, who's liberal, you know, that she voted for Biden <laughs> and she tweeted this. She said, if I'd known Biden was open to lockdowns as he now states, which is something historically unprecedented in any pandemic and a terrifying practice, one that won't ever end because elites love it. I would never have voted for him. <laughs> like, are you, yeah. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Yeah, like yeah. he was, he was, he was out front about this. You didn't know that Biden was open to lockdowns, right? Of course, yeah. <laughs> right. That's crazy. They they act so surprised by his policies when his policies were out there. Yeah, they were. Like you had no, you have no excuse for why you voted for him. No, no, none of these big Eva guys have any excuses and I would, if you're listening to us, I would recommend that you stop listening to them because they are not worthy of, of you taking their advice. They're not. It, it shows- and, I, and this election, this election has exposed them for the phonies that they are. It really has. I was thinking about that just, just yesterday, how many people that I used to look up to, like, you know, in that phase of my life when I left the military and I was transitioning from being a military leader to being a, a pastoral leader to, to becoming mm-hmm. like a shepherd of God's people. And um, I really looked up to a lot of these men, and none of them have stood the test of time. They, yeah. um, they show an extreme lack of wisdom. They may right. be experts in their field, you know, whatever they, you know, have their PhDs in and what they study, but they show yeah. an extreme lack of wisdom in applying the Bible to, to all of life. It's, right. been, it's been very difficult for me to come to grips with this fact that many of these men were kind of heroes to me, and mm-hmm. they would not become an elder at our church because, <laughs> right. because I would stand in opposition like if we had an yeah. elder vote, hey, who we want to bring on this guy to be an elder? I'd be like, no way. <laughs> yeah, right. You, this guy's not fit to to lead these people here. That's yeah. that is difficult for me to grasp, mm-hmm. uh, and yet it seems to be the case that how can you not see these things clearly for what they are? How can you right. not understand that while Trump is belligerent and mean and rude? Uh, the policies he's enacted and the things he's tried to do are um, in many ways, not always, because as we said before, there are many things to critique about the Republican platform, but in many ways set up a society where the freedom of religion can flourish and and he's reversing many of these wicked things that the prior administration put into place. Well, guess what happens right. now? Because you thought he was too mean to vote for um, this guy over here, who may not be mean, but is actually an evil man. Like he's evil, and he'll work to promote evil in the society. Uh, he's going to immediately, first days in office, whatever he can do with an executive order, he's going to reverse. Right. 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 So, so you're going to have you're going to be back. Like my daughter's going into high school next year, and um, boys in the bathroom. Boys in the yep. locker room. Who's going to stop boys in the locker room? Who's going to stop them? Nobody, because Biden's going to make it law that they can be there. Right. These people yeah. are this moronic, George. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, these these uh, these organizations like Nine Marks and and uh, the Gospel Coalition that were that were pumping out these articles. Oh, we just need to, you know, learn how to get along with people on both sides of the aisle, and and um, this, uh, you know, the the pro-lifers for Biden and and stuff like that. Now that now that um, he's he's maybe going to be sworn in and he's going to have all these wicked policies when they start saying, Oh, well, we oppose that. We don't agree with that. That's, you know, it's, it's dumb. Don't, don't listen to them because they're, they're just trying to play both sides. They really are. And they just, they just want your approval. They don't want to, um, they don't want to alienate anybody on the left. They don't want to call, they don't want to call people out and say, you are sinning if you're voting for this stuff. And now, now they want to say, Oh, but you know, Oh, shocker. He's, he, uh, he is actually for, um, mutilating children's bodies who think that they're the opposite sex. <laughs> right. Let me, like, don't yeah, listen to him. Let me tell you one, uh, watershed moment where I knew these guys were not what they appear to be in their books. Um, it was Mark Dever. Um, he's at ShepCon and, He's talking. I have no idea why he said this. If he thought this was like uh, he was going to come across looking good, but he didn't come across looking good to me. He came across looking like a coward. He was in first class for for whatever reason. He got bumped up in first class, and he's flying from D.C. to California for ShepCon. Well, who might you think would also be in first class flying from D.C. to California? If you had to guess, who is a famous? I'd assume it'd be either an either a celebrity or a politician. Yeah, it's a it was a politician. Okay, uh, it was Nancy Pelosi. Okay, so okay. he's he's sitting there with Nancy Pelosi. He's having conversation with her. Comes up that he's a pastor. She throws him an absolute curveball, like not a curveball, a, a hanging curveball, where he can easily begin to share the gospel with her. You know what he does? He said. I get because because he knows like if I start this, this is going to start like several hours long uh, conversation, possibly even argumentation. Mm. He says, "You know what I did? I just said, hey, here's a good book. You should read that book someday when you get around to it. I think it'd be helpful in you understanding my position." <laughs> Come I'm on, sure man. She, I'm Are you sure serious? She <laughs> Sure, she jotted that down. She'll get right on that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you had her. She's a cat. She's captive. Pro- right. Providentially, God arranged this meeting. Yeah. And what? What did you do? You didn't seize the moment. So wh- why yeah. do I want to read your books about evangelism? Right. You have one of the I'm... most power. Do you not believe the gospel is powerful enough? You say you do, but when it comes yeah. time, you're sitting before one of the most powerful people in our nation. The speaker, right. you you don't do it. Yeah, you take a pragmatic approach. Like read this book later, maybe that'll work better. It'll be less offensive. Like what? Yeah. What are we talking about here? That's when I knew like something's going on with these guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I you know I'm getting kind of to the point where I'm. I only want to read dead guys <laughs> because I know how they finished their life, yeah. and they're not gonna they're not gonna let me down. That's right, Giorgio. Right, like I know how, I know how Calvin spent his life. I'll read. That's right. <laughs> I'll read him. He's not going to let me down sometime in the future because he does something foolish, like goes woke or or something like that. Yeah. Well, um, all right. Let me let me get back to this. Let me get back to this article real quick. There. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Start to wrap it up for so us. Gabe, we're we're getting so close. Gabe, yeah. So Gabe, he gives he gives three reasons, three other reasons why abortions could be um, on a decline um, that have nothing to do with democratic presidents. All right. So the first reason is the abortion pill. Um, the abortion pill is easy to get. Yeah. Right. Over, over the counter. The That's plan still B. an abortion. The, right? plan, That's the, pl- the morning, abortion. A- the morning after pill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's still an abortion. And, um, but there's, there's not really any way to, to measure it to measure that. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe people aren't going to Planned Parenthood and murdering their baby. Maybe they're just taking a pill that, that allows them to murder their baby at home. Right. And so same number of abortions, maybe even more than, than, I mean, 
than they're reporting, right? Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, the numbers could be drastically up if we took that into a, an account um, that abortions are not just happening in some kind of clinic. They're, they're happening in people's bathrooms. Yes. So that, that could be a reason why the numbers are going down because they're not reporting everything. Uh, could be the efforts of pro-life groups. So um, as, the, uh, as people like, um, you know, end abortion now with Jeff Durbin, like they're actually going out to the abortion clinics and preaching the gospel. They're actually trying to push um, legislation that would abolish abortion. Like that, that stuff could cause abortions to go down, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the third one, Jay, you like this, the acceptance of LGBTQ behavior, because guess what two gay men can't do? Yeah, yeah. And, th- you know, this one is uh, le- pretty legitimate because I just read, um, there was an article, man, it's been several weeks now, so I can't. I can't even point you to it, but it was that 30% of women under 25 uh, claim to yeah. be LGBTQ. Did you see that? Right. Yeah, yeah. That's that, in this article. That's probably uh, going to have... the American conservative. Okay, yeah. That could have yeah. an effect it, on the number of... Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, the, it's um, said that the U.S. fertility rate is at a 35-year low. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because of the uh, acceptance of homosexuality. So there's not going to be as many people getting pregnant. So there's yeah. not going to be as many abortions because homosexuals don't get pregnant. Right. Um, so that could be also why abortion numbers are going down. And then the last one is that the statistics aren't accurate anyway. Right. And, and he brings up this fact that um, if, if organizations that are, are funded by um, pro-abortion <laughs> groups like Planned Parenthood are putting out the, the statistics, then it's really hard to believe that they're accurate. Yeah, sure. Right. So, so don't, don't, uh, you'll, you might see this going around that, um, Hey, we should at least count our blessings. Abortion numbers actually go down under Democrat. Right, right, right. Uh, don't buy, don't buy into that stuff. That, that's garbage. Yeah. Um, like that's, that's a lie. The, um, the, the left are all in when it comes to murdering babies and don't think that someone like Joe Biden is going to make the numbers go down. He well, will. Yeah, of course they are to make the numbers go up. Of course they are because you know one of the things that's driving this is that is again a utilitarian ethic uh, for the right. and the, that's that's in it's built into the feminist movement that they need to be yeah. they need to produce like men. And one thing you can't do when you're a woman and you're pregnant is produce like a man. It's going to interfere with your baby's going to interfere with your career. Baby's yep. going to interfere with uh, your education, you name it. They list all these things. And, you know, they even have these women saying, this award is given to my abortion because without it, I never would have become the woman that I am. Well, what a joke, man. Look at at Amy Amy Cody Barrett. She, she, the reason why they hate her so much, one of the reasons they hate her so much is because she shows what a farce feminism is, that you can't can't be an actual mother and and succeed in this society as a woman. She blows yeah, that thing um, up, man. She blew right. it to smithereens. Uh, so I'll uh, I'll post this article uh, in the comments section when this uh, this podcast drops, and yeah. um, encourage you to go and and read it. But, you know, wrapping this all up, the the worth of a human is not in their productivity. That's it. George. The worth of a hu- the worth of a human is that they are created in the image of God. Yes. There we go, right. George. Now you're speaking. So it doesn't. It, it's, it doesn't matter if you're, doesn't matter if it's a, you know, a six month old that just lays there and cries. Like mm-hmm. they eat and they sleep and they cry and they poop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, they don't produce anything that they just consume and they're still valuable. They're just yeah. as valuable as the president of the United States because they're equally created in the image of God. And right they should be shown the same level of honor and respect. If you take a, this other this other view of the world, it ends in an ugly place. Mm-hmm. A very ugly place. Um, and I don't even think we need to walk people through that. They can use their own imaginations. All right, let's yeah. let's uh, shut this uh, shut this thing down. The first inaugural. Right. This is our first uh, COVID episode. Hopefully you. Okay. Uh, yeah, hopefully you could hear George. All uh, right, that'd and, be. 
<laughs> That'd be terrible, won't we'll it? see what happens when we post it, if you're even on here, or if it's just me talking into the air. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. So thanks for right. tuning in. Hopefully it's beneficial to you. Hopefully it helps you to think through what's going on in the world. Again, you know, and hopefully this is, you know, for our church people, for our church members, and for anyone else that's listening, we want to help you know, like shape your worldview. And the idea behind that is that you would live your entire life uh, for the glory of God in Christ and every day become more and more conformed to the image of His Son. That's what this podcast is all about. So give us a like, subscribe, share. Uh, It's our hope that this helps you to become conformed to Christ. 